Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. And uh, we ask in Jesus' name that you would just open our hearts to what you'd have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have a Bible, open it up to James chapter 5. We are finishing out the book of James. I hope you've had a good time in it. Uh, It's an amazing book, an incredible book. And uh, I, I would like to do it again sometime. It's one of those, I think, books that you can just get new stuff almost every time you read it and engage in it, so uh, it, it's a lot of fun. But this is the last week. Next Sunday, we're actually beginning something fun. Uh, we're going to do an evangelistic campaign, kind of a kind of a get, get out the vote or get out to church month uh, as we're gearing up for Easter. And so you'll kind of see more of that take place next week, and uh, we'll have some door knockers for you, some flyers, and we'll talk about it all next week and what we like to do. But we're gonna we're gonna finally do it. It's been We've never done one yet, but we're going to really try to gear up for this Easter and uh, just really see the message of God's love and God's forgiveness go out from LifePoint. Amen? All right. Well, uh, if you're in James chapter 5, we're going to skip over the first 12 verses because many of those themes and topics we've dealt with uh, in the previous weeks go straight to verse 13 where James says, Is anyone among you in trouble? In trouble. I don't know about you, but I have been in trouble a lot in my life. And James says, is any among you in trouble? And he says, let them pray. And my first point might be a little antagonistic, but my first point is this. Prayer is unnatural. I don't know many people who naturally wake up and think to pray about everything in their life. I mean, we should and when you think about it logically, yes. But I think because, you know, maybe we can't see God or talk to God or kind of show somebody where God is, he just seems a little less here, right? I seem a little more here because you can see me. God seems a little less here because we can't see him. So it's kind of an unnatural thing to pray. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I face trials or troubles, I tend to want to fix it myself first, right? You know, something's going down and, oh, I'm going to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to call him to do that, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, da, da, da. but have you prayed yet? No, I haven't prayed yet because I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. How many of you, how many of you, come on, I am like that to a T. I will go, and raise your hands, you know, if you're, if you're like me, so many more than the first service. I think the first service are a bunch of liars. No, just kidding. <laughs> Oh, actually, there was about the same amount in the first service, and only three hands went up, and I began to feel like, uh uh-oh, you know, maybe it is just me. But I think we're just kind of hardwired to deal with things head on, and we don't always think to pray. One time I was in some debt. I'd taken a loan from another, this was uh, when I was... uh, two, three churches ago in Seattle, downtown Seattle. And, and uh, I had taken a loan from another member of the church and we'd set up a payment plan for, he, for, him to, for me to pay him back. <coughs> and I remember, <coughs> excuse me, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I don't, I don't like being in debt to a guy in the church. I'd rather be in debt to MasterCard right now. At least there's some amorphous corporation, you know. But I, just, you know, I feel kind of weird, you know, being in debt to this guy. So I say, you know what? I want to try to get out of it. So I'd, I'd call up people, you know, 
Uh, is there a dog I can bathe? Can I mow your lawn? Can I walk your cat? You know, just kind of stuff, you know, trying to figure out money to make. And it just wasn't enough, you know, for what the loan was. And then finally, he shows up at church one day. He's like, hey, man, I need the money. I need my money in a week or two. I mean, I need it quick, you know. I'm like, man, you, you don't loan money out to somebody if you need it quick, you know. But, but nevertheless, I'm in this weird situation. So I'm calling, and I'm stressing, and I'm doing everything I can, and I'm tired because I already got a job, and I'm doing all this stuff. And finally, the pastor's wife comes up to me and says, well, Tom, have you prayed about it? Oh, I just wanted to slap her in the face. I mean, it was just so convicting. So she made me feel so good. I look at her, and I went, no, you know. I hadn't prayed about it. I agree that prayer is good. I've seen answered prayers in people's lives. But for some reason, when trouble comes, I think, I got to fix it myself. That's what a real person does. And so she said, did you pray about it? I'm like, no, I haven't prayed about it. And so she's like, oh, good idea. Might be something you might want to do. I'm like, all right, let's pray about it, you know. So, so we gra- she grabs my hand, she says, let's get on our knees and pray. Now, I had had a job lined up with a delivery company in Seattle to move an office from one thing to another. It was only going to be like 100 bucks for the day, and, but it was going to be something. You know, I, I need to give this guy something. And so, uh, you know, we get on our knees and pray. And then afterward, that week, I get a call from the company, and they don't need me anymore. You know what I'm thinking? I prayed, and it got worse, right? I mean, now I'm like, you know, so you answer everybody else's prayers but mine, huh? You know? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting really cantankerous here. So I'm on the phone with a guy. I'm like, oh, you got anything else going on? And he's like, no, no, no. And, and I'm kind of asking about his company. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm thinking about getting some part-time work. I'm only part-time at the church here. I'm, I'm not, you know, I need to make ends meet. And he's talking, and then finally he goes, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have something for you. I'm like, what's it? He says, you know what? I don't know if you can do this, but if you can drive to Portland and back in a day, I've got a job that'll pay you 400 bucks. All you gotta do is deliver this something in a silver case. Now, I never asked what was in the silver case. <laughs> I, was, I was content to be the middleman, you know? Uh, I mean, it's just, hey, I, you know? Could have been a nuclear bomb in there for all I cared. And, and, uh, but pay for it. But he's like, you know what? You got to drive down to Portland and back. Portland is two and a half hours south of Seattle. That's like going to, what, Anaheim maybe? Uh, you know, Modesto. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, two and a half hours there and back. I can get there and back in six hours and still have time to spare. And so, you know, he, and, I, and I, of course, he's thinking it's all a big deal. So I'm kind of going there with, oh, yeah, well, yeah, it's a hard trek down to Portland in the middle of nowhere, Washington, with no traffic. But, hey, you know, if that's what you need me to do, I'll do it, you know. And I, I mean, I made it sound like it was such a hardship. And I got four times the money in one day I would have got. And, of course, he... he after that, uh, he's like, hey, I got another one for you. And another one. I had two more after that. I was able to pay that guy off and more. 
And uh, it didn't last much longer than that. But I remember just looking back and feeling like, man, it, it all turned. It all changed as soon as that, you know, pastor's wife said, have you prayed about it yet? You know, yes, I wanted to slap her. But in the end of the whole thing, I actually wanted to buy her a gift, you know, because she, she was part of the turning point that really, you know, changed uh, everything over. Uh, a few years later, I was working at a real estate company, and, uh, and I was doing websites for the houses. And uh, I was an agent, but I was working more for the broker than the agent. And I show up at a house, and another agent stole the listing from another agent in our office for the house. And the original agent who had the listing hired me to go out and take pictures. So I, and it's money for me when I do that. So I show up to take the pictures. And the other agent's there and he's trying to run me off. And I know what's happening. He stole the listing and he's not hiring me to come and take pictures. So we get in this big fight, you know. And words were said that I can't repeat in church and it was a it was just a very violent exchange i finally get in my car and i had to drive i i, I went i went to the ferry terminal because uh, i felt like that would calm me down why a ferry terminal would calm anybody down i don't know but i just felt like that would be a place to calm down i get a call from my boss we need you in the office now and uh so and so came back we need we need to work this out now i'm in muckle teo you know it's gonna take me a while However long it takes, we're here waiting. And of course, I hang up the phone. She hangs up the phone with me. I'm on my cell phone. And I am just terrified. I'm like, you know what, Mackie, you did it again. You went with it with the mouth, and the mouth is going to get you fired. Me and my mouth have had conversations. I believe sometimes it takes on a life of its own, and I'm like standing outside myself watching it speak. So... We're, we're having a, you know, I'm having an argument with my mouth now because once again, it got me in trouble. And uh, <clears throat> so I, what do I do? I got myself, I start calling every friend I can call. Why? Because I want all my friends to tell me, oh, Tom, it's going to be okay. I've been there before. Just say you're sorry and it's going to be fine. Well, none of my friends are picking up the phone. So I finally like, oh, I'll call the pastor. And so I called the pastor, but he didn't pick up. Do you know who picked up? His wife. And do you know what she said? Have you prayed about it yet? No! <laughs> so she's like, come on, Tom. Pull off the side of the road. Let's pray right now. And, and, and of course, she prayed for me and with me. And she said, look, this week you got you to go in there. You just got to be calm. You got to apologize. You said some things you shouldn't have said. You didn't mean to insult anybody. You were trying to defend your agent in the, what you thought was yours. But, you know, just say, you, you know, you, your temper got the best of you. It won't happen again. I said, man, that's great. Who thinks of that? <laughs> People without anger problems who think of that, you know. And so I went in there. I did exactly what she said. I mean, it went beautiful. My broker went a little, little ting in her teeth, you know, a little ding, you know. And, and, of course, I leave, and she starts reaming out this other agent for stealing the listing in the first place. And it was just one of those things where, you know, I didn't think, we don't, I don't think prayers, we don't always think to pray 
And a lot of times it's good. We may want to slap them, but a lot of time it's good to have that person say, have you prayed about it yet? Come on, let's pray about this. Let's send this up to heaven. Let's see what God can do with this. And so, you know, I don't think we're hardwired to pray. Uh, I think we're face-to-face beings. And as I've really thought about this, in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, the very beginning, we did relate to God face-to-face. And if you read the book of Revelation, we will relate to God face-to-face once again. This is not really how God wanted it. But he knows now that if he were to show up with just a tiny morsel of his glory, he would fry us. And so, how do we pray? Not by sight, but by faith. That's what Paul meant when he said, we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm like you. When I'm praying by myself in my bedroom, sometimes I feel like a nutcase. I'm sitting here speaking to someone who's not there, feeling like he's speaking back. I mean, if you know, the government were to tap my bedroom, they might think a schizophrenic lived there. You know, Sometimes that's how prayer can feel. But when you add the faith factor in, it all of a sudden becomes the most powerful action we can do. James says, if anybody is in trouble, let them pray. Let's turn our problems into prayers, our troubles into triumphs, and begin to pray quicker. I know many of us, our first reaction may not be to pray, but it used to be that my ninth reaction was to pray. Now hopefully I've got it up to four or five. My goal is to get it up to two or three. Maybe, maybe, you know, once I get, you know, as sanctified as Pastor Wayne, it might be number one. But right now I'm still, <laughs> still, in, the, still in the two, three rate, you know. Oh, you know I'm telling the truth, brother. <laughs> number two, amen. Number two, praise helps us pray. Why do you think we do all this worship? Do you think it's just for worship's sake? Is this just to give our musicians something to do on Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. The atmosphere of praise helps us pray. Part of why, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> part of why we gather as a church. What did Jesus say when he talked about the gathering of God's people? I, I have called my house to be a house of prayer. When we sing those songs, we're praying together. Praise helps us pray. Now, uh, one of the stories that I'm reminded of, you know, another thing that praise does is it reminds us where our source of blessings come from. And I had to piece this together, but I was reading, I was reading about King David's life the other day. King David was, he was a bad dude. He stole another man's wife. Uh, I'm sorry, there's no other way to put it. In fact, the way he did it was even worse. Because he builds the city, but where does he put the women's public showers? Right next to his palace, where he can overlook and watch the whole thing going on. So he's watching and overlooking one day, and he sees one, he says, I want that one. Now, David is king. He has wives and he has mistresses and he has money. 
He has all these things, and he looks down, he sees a woman, and he takes her from one of his military, from one of his strongmen, one of the guys who had been with him for years. Steals his wife and has the dude killed. Well, God's not too happy about it. And so he confronts David through the Nathan, the prophet. And God says something I'll never forget. He says, David, I've given you money. I've given you strength. I've given you fame. I've given you a house. I've given you a city. I've given you a palace. I've given you an army. I've given you old gold. And I've given you peace. And if that was not enough for you, I would have given you more. Why did you steal what I gave to another man? You know what reminded me of all that? Not to steal another man's wife, although that would be a good point of the story, wouldn't it? You know what really reminded me? God knows what we have and what he's given us. God is our source of blessing. If he were to come down and sit down and say, Tom, I've given you a church, I've given you a ministry, I've given you a home, given you a wife and three kids. I have to be reminded sometimes that those weren't just things I went out and got. Those were things that God gave. Praise and worship reminds me of that. Praise and worship reminds us of that. And so uh, sometimes, you know, I'm like you. When I'm out here and I'm lifting my hands, I think, oh, man, I bet you somebody new came in and they just think I'm one of those Pentecostal kooks, you know? (coughs) Because here, (coughs) can somebody get me a glass of water? Because here I am lifting my hands, dancing, you know, praying in the spirit, just going hard with all this stuff. And, and I get a little self-conscious as to how I look. But then I remember why I'm doing it. I am praising the arrogance off of me. I'm praising the arrogance off of me because if I began to forget that God is my source and I began to think that I am in control and doing all this stuff, I can become very, very arrogant so every sunday i mean i have to if you see me going like this you know what's going on in my mind get that arrogance off me get that pride off me get it off me i have to get rid of it and praise is one of the best ways to do that why because it reminds us where our source of blessings come from think about what god said to david and if that was not enough I would have given you more. Thanks, Dan. Could you spit in it? Okay. Number three, faith is something we do, not just something we believe. Faith is something we do. There was a a few years ago, uh, my family was having a lot of problems. Me and Tanya were kind of button heads. My kids and I were button heads. My kids and my wife were button heads. My kids and each other were banging heads. <coughs> and, uh, and I'd go out, and then I'd come home, and it was just stress. And I endured it for months because my first reaction is not to pray. But finally, God kind of tapped on my head and said, Tom, you need to pray for your home. You don't have to live like this. 
Because I'm just thinking this is the way you live. You know, you, you get married, have kids, it's just stressful. You know, you don't have, it doesn't have to be that way. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. We, that, enough's enough. I'm sick of this. So I grab my wife and my kids, and I position them around the house. I, and I, I'm instructing them. I want you to lift your hands. I want you to start singing worship songs and praying for the peace of our home. And my kids are like, oh, Dad, I'm going to get embarrassed. Man, our friends are going to drive by. They're going to think we're not. I don't care. See who the source of the stress was, you know. I don't care. Dad, can we at least go in the backyard? (laughs) You go in the backyard. I'll go in the front. I don't care, you know. So here we have Thomas is like four, you know. I I think, in fact, Thomas, he'd sit down, start picking the grass. Thomas, get up. Put your hands up. He'd be like this, you know. (laughs) You want to get your kids in line, have them pray over their home, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, finally, because I'm thinking, when mommy comes home, this house needs to be at peace. And they're like, but dad, you're the one yelling, I know! <laughs> so you need to pray for me just as much as you need to pray for the house. And, uh, but I'm like, I'm like, sometimes faith is something we do. You got to go do something. And uh, I, love, uh, I love the formula in Second Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat is probably one of my favorite Old Testament figures because in a whole line of terrible kings, he's actually a good one. And uh, he has an amazing thing happen to him where he teaches us what to do when we have trouble. You don't have to turn there. We'll have it up on the screen. Second Chronicles 20, it begins with the problem. In verse 2, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. I don't know about you, but sometimes in life, it can feel like a vast army is coming against me. In uh, the second part is, Jehoshaphat humbles himself. He begins to pray, and he says something so powerful I've never seen any other verse like it in the whole entire Bible. All right, maybe like it, but not exactly. Check this out. He says, God, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I don't know if it rhymes in the Hebrew, but let's say that together. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. One more time. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What an incredible thing. Whatever trouble we're facing, God, I do not know what to do, but my eyes are on you. That's an ancient ancient Jewish king. And so the third part of it is God brings confirmation. He sends a prophet just to make sure the king knows he's not out in left field. And the prophet comes and he says a little bit later down, Jehoshaphat, do not be afraid or discouraged of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. What's he saying? Jehoshaphat, you prayed for a lot of things and some of those things are you. This one, this one's on me. So the fourth component, what does Jehoshaphat do? He does something that I think no military commander, no king has ever done in the history of the world. 
he sends his praise team ahead of the army. Now you may say, why did he do that? Did they have some power about them? I'll tell you exactly why he did it. Jehoshaphat is praying the whole way out. He's got 40,000 men. They got 100, 120,000 men. He knows if God doesn't do something, that's it. His army is finished and his head is chopped off. So he's the whole time he's riding out, he's praying. And you know what I think is going on in his head? While I'm praying, I want to hear worship music. Because worship music helps me pray. So I want them to be ahead of the army. And I want them to drown the whole battlefield with praise. Because if God doesn't come through for us, we're finished. And then God's response. In verse 22 it says, As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. I I didn't, well, I'll tell you what happened. Three kings had banded together to try to defeat little old poor Judah. Those Those three kings got it in their head, wait a minute. If we defeat Judah and I defeat the other two, I can build an empire of the whole area. So their greed and their pride for land had them turn on each other. And so the three armies attack and annihilate and fight each other while Judah and his little army is standing there, Jehoshaphat and his little army is standing there watching it all happen as God used the pride and arrogance of their enemies to deliver them. Isn't that amazing? Jehoshaphat, he knows exactly what he's doing. There's no power in the elders. There's no power in the oil. Where is the power? It's in the name of Jesus. In fact, let's go back to the scripture. I don't think I read it. Uh, verse 14, in James 5, 14. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Which leads me to my final point. Confession is the prelude to prayer. So many times, healing of the body and soul is married to forgiveness of sin. God doesn't want to just take away the injury. He's a holistic healer. He doesn't want to just heal the body, but the heart, the soul, the mind, the emotions, the spirit. Whenever someone is generally healed or touched by God, you get all those areas that are healed and touched by God, not just one. I've rarely walked away. No, I shouldn't say that. I have had people who have been miraculously healed and never once worship God a moment for it. I don't know how it happens. I don't know how you can do that. Uh, but if, if someone were to say, oh, if God just heals me, then I'll, then I'll you know, go to church or whatever. Actually, that's not, very, that's not true. I've seen it happen where God's done incredible things in people's lives and they still haven't had that life changed. But, but the ones who really receive it and really receive the full benefit of it often get more than just a healing of the body, but they get a healing of the soul as well. And it really has to do with verse 16 here where he says, therefore confess your sins to each other 
and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Part of the humbling process that comes through God answering prayer is us confessing our brokenness, our sins, and our mistakes to someone else. Uh, I do it once a week. I don't particularly enjoy it, but I do now. There's an incredible peace in co- that comes in getting together with a trusted friend where I can, you know, I can confess. And I believe me, I got a list of things to confess every week. You know, things that most of the time it's things I've said. You know, I can, I can, I can say things I shouldn't say. And so, you know, it, it's just wanting, to, wanting prayer for forgiveness of the power of those words that may have damaged people. Most of the time it's people I don't know, you know, uh, but, but you, I think you get my point. You know, there is healing in confession. And God really wants that for us. If you're holding on to it, not only is there not healing, but sickness, soul sickness, it really begins to take in. My wife says something to my kids. Um, if they tell a lie or tell a fib, uh, especially when they're little, you know, she'll go, oh, you're going to get an ouchie of the heart. It's an ouchie of the heart. And one time, little Thomas, daddy, my heart has an ouchie. <laughs> what, what, Thomas? What? Well, I ate your Twix bar. You did what? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daddy, because when you asked me if I was the one who ate it, I said no, and you blamed it on Mommy, and you and Mommy got in a big fight over it, but I was the one who ate it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, Twix bar in my house, man, that, them, them's fighting words right there. You know, you don't eat my Twix bar. <laughs> I want to finish with this. God has really, he's made four provisions for the sick. And the first provision is this, that there would be a community of faith called the church. And I want to let you know, in our church, we have prayer Sundays here at this wall. Also, there's a prayer room in the front room that you can get prayed for in private. Two options every Sunday. Every Wednesday between the hours of 6.30 and 8, we have prayer leaders standing by, ready to pray for you anytime, any place during that 6.30 through 8 o'clock. We, they also meet in the prayer room as well. You can call the church and schedule an appointment, and we'll pray for you. Uh, it's an amazing gift that Jesus has given the world to have this offer of prayer. Take him up on it. I promise you, you won't regret it. Second thing is, he's giving loving family and friends. I think of Jesus and the paralytic, right? What did the friends do? They busted down someone's roof in order to get their friend in front of Jesus. That's a gift. Third thing is, doctors, nurses, hospitals, and medicine. Oh, please. Uh, I, know that there, I know that there are folks out there that think if you've done that for some reason, you've you're, you're, you have less faith or you know, you're not a strong believer in the healing power of Jesus, I'm sorry. You know, the Lord has given us doctors, nurses, medicines, and hospitals as a gift 
and uh, I think they work together. I've seen prayer and medicine, prayer and doctors, prayer and nurses, prayer and hospitals work together. Sometimes one will edge out the other. It's okay. They're both provisions from God. Then finally, and this is the one I think we over- overlook all of, most of the time, that there would be godly elders who would pray for the sick. And you know what James 5 says? And the sick person will be made well. So many times when people are sick, we'll send a card, we'll send flowers, maybe send a babysitter. How often do we say, you know what, I'm going to go pick you up in my car and I'm going to take you to the elders of the church so that they can pray for you. Hmm. I dare you. I dare you this year when someone is sick, you call them up and say, I'd like to take you to the elders of my church and pray for you. You call us up. You arrange. We'll be there. I'll get. We. I'll gather the elders. We'll be there. We'll take up that challenge. I believe you will see something powerful and miraculous right in front of your eyes. If it ain't an instant miraculous healing, you will see peace, like you've never seen it before. I think what often, what often keeps us from praying or praising, is our own sense of self reliance. Our own sense that, that. I, and I'll describe this for me. Maybe it's not you, but for me, it's my own arrogance that sometimes thinks I can do it all, I can be it all. And sometimes I need to come and be reminded, you know what? I need you. You are my source. Whether it's healing, forgiveness, confession, whatever it is, thank you, God, for providing all these things for me. Amen?